Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops. Today I'm chatting with Dr. Kevin Float from the Lethbridge Branch of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and we're going to chat about all the critters we can find in cow patties out on for the pasture. Uh, but before we get into all the fun stuff, Kevin, would you like to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how you got interested in bugs? Oh, sure. My name is Kevin Float. I'm a research scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, and I'm based in in Lethbridge, Alberta, at the Lethbridge Research and Development Centre. And as for my interest in bugs, I blame my parents. They were avid gardeners, and they encouraged me to flip over rocks and lick at bugs as long as I put everything back the way I found it. So here we are, some 60 years later, having a podcast about bugs. Right on. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So to start us off, you recently published a book called Cow Patty Critters, and I think a good spot to start is sort of the general range of creatures we can find in cow manure. Yeah, well, you know, I think the title Cow Patty Critters captures it all. (laughs) So in my job with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada, I study insects associated with livestock. So a lot of those insects breed in cattle dung. So that was sort of my natural entry point into the diversity of uh, cow cow dung insects. And most of the research on cow dung insects really has focused on three species of pest flies. And I'm sure your listeners will be familiar with them, horn fly, stable fly, and face fly. So they all breed in cow dung, they all are pests of cattle. And then there's other insects in dung that get the lion's share of attention. And those are the dung beetles. Mm-hmm. We've all seen these you know, videos of beetles in Africa pushing huge balls of dung across the savanna. Well, we have similar types of beetles here in uh, Alberta just a lot smaller. Right. And then we have many other types of insects as well. So the, the cow patty critters is intended to be a gateway to the full diversity of, of critters in cow pies. So not just the pest flies, not just the dung rolling dung beetles, but the many other types of beetles that live in cattle dung, the many types of beneficial flies that breed in cattle dung um, and some other organisms as well. Very cool. So with so many different kinds of dung-related insects and microbes. Uh, Why is it important that they're there? Well, I guess it depends on one's perspective. So first of all, a lot of people are just curious. Mm -hmm. So this book will certainly satisfy their curiosity about dung insects. But the insects collectively provide a lot of important ecosystem services. And the obvious one is you have all these insects breeding and feeding and tunneling in cow pies. They scatter that cow pie on the pasture. They cause it to break down more quickly. That frees up um, surface area on the pasture to promote the growth of new forage. Mm-hmm. But they also, uh, the beetles also, when they bury the dung, they put the nutrients in the cow pie back into the soil to act as a fertilizer. And, you know, we do have species here in southern Alberta that will bury little balls of dung, perhaps, um, you know, 20 centimeters into the soil. And that's like a little package of uh, fertilizer that's going to help out the plants. And then coming back to the pest flies, they really need a, a moist environment to breed. Mm-hmm. So when the insects scatter the pie, they cause it to dry out more quickly. And that makes the pie less suitable to promote the, the growth of these pest populations. And then 
I'm just getting wound up here. You know, <laughs> you know so, we, so, we, so we have these uh, insects that tunnel in the dung. Mm -hmm. That opens up the soil to uh, permeability of, of water and oxygen. It also um, allows a, a, a lot of the insects that develop in the pie come out as adults, and they are pollinators for a lot of the plants on pasture. They provide important food resources for other insects, for, for birds, for small mammals. Mm -hmm. And then they're even, um, in terms of an ecosystem service, the, uh, the dung beetles can help distribute uh, seeds of plants on the pasture. So like, it's a whole package and it's free. Like farmers yeah. aren't paying for this. So they really need to understand the value of what's going on on the pasture. Definitely, that's awesome. So I work with a lot of grazers and we're always chatting about cycling nutrients from the grass and stored feed through the cattle back onto the land. And we talk about the overall cycle quite a bit, but um, the thing I'm excited for for this podcast <laughs> is that we get to zoom in and talk a little bit about what happens between the manure being deposited and the point when it gets available in the soil for plants. So do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit I'll, more? I'll try. Um, so I'll just go through the life cycle of a pie. You know, so the fresh pie hits the soil, and let's talk about springtime. Within literally seconds of that pie landing on the ground, there are insects coming in, attracted to the odors given off by the dung. And then over the course of the next couple of weeks, there's different types of insects flying into the pie, they're laying eggs. The adult insects will leave the pie and find another one, but the eggs they leave behind, those hatch into larvae, which become uh, pupae, which become new adults. So there's a lot going on. And because the bulk of insect activity is going on in the springtime, that's when pies break down most quickly. <laughs> in the heat of the summertime, when a pie hits the ground, maybe in July, uh, there's still insects flying around, but not as many and not as many types. So those pies will still break down, but more slowly. And then in the fall, the eggs that were laid in the springtime have now produced a new generation of adult beetles that are active in the fall. So pies that are deposited in maybe September, early September, mid-September, they can again be scattered quite quickly. But insects are driving this, right? So if you have a cow pie deposited in February on a pasture, there's no insects. Mm -hmm. So those pies will sit on the ground, um, they become dried out and they're like hockey pucks. And in the springtime, those pies that were dropped in February are not attractive to insects because insects are attracted to the odor coming off of a fresh cow pie. Oh. So anything dropped at a time when there's no insect activity is gonna take a lot longer to break down. And the main factors breaking down those hockey puck pies are going to be uh, uh, freeze and thaw cycles, bacterial activity, but they could take years to break down on a pasture. Mm -hmm. So in terms of nutrient cycling, the benefit of the insects are going to happen when the insects are obviously flying around. So in Alberta, that would be uh, mainly mid-May going into maybe mid-September. But we do have some dung beetles that are active in March, at least in southern Alberta. Mm. You know, so they overwinter as an adult insect. And when we have our Chinook war, uh, winds here down in, in the, uh, the Lethbridge area, I can see those beetles flying around. It only needs to be five or six degrees centigrade for them to be flying around. Oh, wow. It's pretty incredible, yeah. So I guess in addition to the uh, the weather cycle, um, 
most experienced cattlemen know that we got to watch out on our manure patties because they can give us a good indication of the nutrients that the cattle are getting and whether we need to supplement or uh, whether we're grazing them hard enough or all that sort of stuff. But can the quality of a manure pat affect how easily it's broken down by the insects and the biology? Oh yeah, <laughs> good question, very much so. So there's a, a little bit to unpack there. Uh, first of all, is the quality of uh, the forage for cattle on pasture. Mm -hmm. So in the springtime, if the grass is ripe, you know, it's it's nice and green, has a higher water content. The dung from those animals comes out like pea soup. I mean, there's no other way to put yeah. it, right? Um, and then later in the season, as the grass starts to cure and becomes drier, the pies deposited by those cows are more like a mound, what we would more typically think think of as a cow pie. So the uh, the moisture quality of the forage affects the shape of the pie. If the pie comes out like pea soup, it breaks down very quickly because it, it really doesn't have any consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's a solid mound, it's a bit more of a challenge for the dung insects to break down. They'll do the job, but it's just gonna take a bit more time. Mm -hmm. In terms of the health of the animal, um, this is a little bit about outside of my expertise because I'm an insect <laughs> guy, not, you know, not yeah. a cow health person. But certainly if the animal is sick, that could affect um, the, the quality of the manure coming mm -hmm. out of the animal. And uh, sometimes the chemicals we apply to cattle right. can pass through the animal, come out in the dung, and they may have implications for the dung insects. Gotcha. On that note, um, another thing you mentioned in your book, and we talk about a lot on the producer end of things, of course, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to calving, is how manure is a great developing ground for pests, parasites, all that sort of stuff, um, disease. So fostering healthy insect communities and field crops to help manage pest populations uh, is a topic on the field cropping side of things. Does the same apply to pastures and dung pats, where if you make an effort to have that healthy insect community, can it reduce your your pest or parasite risk? Yeah, the, the, there's a lot of <laughs> factors in play. So I'm going to try to <laughs> unpackage them. Yes. So let's talk about where these insects come from. So probably 50% or more of the species of insects in cattle dung in Canada originated from Europe, mm. which makes sense because the cattle that we produce in Canada came from Europe. Right. So, you know, so these insects and cows have had a long association. And when these insects were brought over, it wasn't deliberately, it was accidentally during mm -hmm. European settlement. You know, and that's where uh, our pest flies, they're all European species. So if we have a healthy pasture environment, I guess we need to think about what is affecting the health of the insects. Uh, it could be soil quality. So some of these insects that dig tunnels in the ground they may have a tougher time in heavy clay soils than mm. in lighter soil, sandy soils. Um, so soil quality can affect what insects you might normally expect to find in an area. Um, it could be the size of the pasture. You know, larger pastures are more important in protecting healthy, large populations of insects compared to pastures, which, which might be a tame pasture, for example, instead of a native pasture. Um, soil disturbance often is not helpful to some of these insects that live underground, you know, so native pastures are, are, are going to be uh, better off that way. And in terms of, um, I guess, climate, it depends where people are geographically. So typically, as you go further north, you see a drop off of the number of insect species. Mm -hmm. 
compared to as you go further south into the US. And then some insects might only have one population a year or, or, or one generation a year in Canada, but they could have two or three generations a year as we go further south. And things like hornfly, you know, one of these pest species, in Alberta, it might have uh, perhaps three or four generations a year. But down in Texas and even further south, in, you know, um, into South America, they might have 10 or more generations a year. So when you talk about a healthy insect population, we need to temper our expectations based on soil type, based on climate, uh, geographic location. But, you know, if, if we take all of that into account and you want to have a healthy population, uh, less disturbance on the pasture is probably a better thing in terms of soil disturbance. Mm -hmm. um, there are types of chemicals that can be applied to protect the animal from parasites, which is really important for the health mm -hmm. of the animal. But then depending on the chemical, it can pass out into the dung of the cattle and it can have harmful effects on the insects. Yeah. And I would say that, and this is a question that I get quite often from, from, from ranchers. They say, how can I get dung beetles in my area? And I would say, you already have dung beetles in your area. And if you don't, something is horribly wrong. Because, you know, insects, in order to find a fresh cow pie on the prairie, they have to have very sensitive sniffers to be attracted to the odors. And they can easily fly. You know, we're talking hundreds of meters or, or half a kilometer or more. So over a number of years, whatever insects are able to survive in your area should have already found that place and be doing well. Mm -hmm. And if they're not there, uh, they probably just can't survive there. That makes sense. I will say for uh, location, we're up in the peace country here, and we were actually on a pasture walk here on Saturday, and we found dung beetles in in the in the manure pats out by Bonanza, which is about half an hour from Dawson Creek. So, oh yeah, I've been up. I've been up to that. <laughs> area looking for dung beetles yep. and the species you have there are the same ones we have down here right on. you know that you know they're, they're common species from europe mm -hmm. and um we didn't talk about different types of dung beetles i mean maybe you're sure. going to come to that question <laughs> you get into it now <laughs> okay <laughs> dig into it yeah. <laughs> um, one of my pet peeves and it's my training as a scientist we talk about dung beetles just because a beetle is in dung doesn't make it a dung beetle, mm. you know? So to my science mind, a dung beetle refers specifically to a certain category of beetles and um, scarab beetles. You know, we talk about June bugs or, or those types of things. Those are scarab beetles. Dung beetles are a subcategory of scarab beetles that okay. live in the pie. But there's many other types of beetles that live in the pie that are not scarab beetles. And so I just wanted to get that out there, pet peeve of mine. <laughs> so when people talk about dung beetles, my question is to them, so do you mean dung beetles or do you mean any kind of beetle in dung? Right. Because a lot of, you know, a, a lot of these other beetles, they don't even eat dung, but they're mm -hmm. in the cow pie and they're eating things like fly eggs or fly maggots. And that's really important because they're helping to suppress the populations of pest flies that are breeding in the cow pie. Right. So I don't, I don't want to <laughs> overlook those important beetles and just talk about dung beetles, which get all the glory, you know? Right. Yeah, that's cool. So I guess the, the flip side of that discussion too, and you've touched on it a little bit is the, 
on the one hand, we have the beetles and stuff that go in there and eat the the fly eggs and help control a pest population that way. But we've also got parasiticides like ivermectin and that sort of stuff that we can apply. So do you want to talk a little bit about the effects of those sorts of things on the bugs in the dung? <laughs> sure. You know, uh, and actually that's been a bit of a big part of my research over the last uh, 30 years is the effect mm -hmm. of different chemicals on insects in dung of cattle that have been treated. Um, I don't want to single any particular chemical, but, but I'll simply say that it's really important to protect the health of the animal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, ranchers aren't applying these chemicals for no reason. No, yeah. You know, so we want to make sure the health of the animal is protected. Uh, so we apply chemicals to control parasites. Some of these parasites live inside the animal, like nematodes that would live in, for example, the gut of the animal. Other types of uh, pests live on the outside of the animal, like ticks and lice and, mm -hmm. and, and those sorts of things. So there's a group of chemicals called indecticides, uh, and they control uh, parasites inside the cattle, which is what endo means. And they also control insects on the outside of the animal, which is what ecto means. So we call them endecticides. And some of the uh, insect or some of the pests that are being targeted by these chemicals are insects. So we already know these parasiticides, uh, not all of them, but some of them are toxic to insects. Mm -hmm. And depending on the chemical, when you apply it, it um, you, you can apply it as an injection or as a poron formulation. I think at one time they had a bolus formulation. Or, um, so there's all types of different formulations, but depending on the chemical, the active ingredient can pass through the animal and come out in the dung virtually unchanged. Mm. So if the active ingredient kills insects on the animal, it's not rocket science <laughs> to say these residues are going to kill insects in the dung, right? Certainly, it, yeah. It, it just makes sense. So the, the important question is, how toxic are these residues? What insects are being affected? And how long can we see an effect? Mm -hmm. And this is a, a lot of research has been done. And depending on the chemical, the residue starts being passed out within the first few days. And usually there's a big pulse of residue within the first, say, three to five days after the animal's been treated. And, and we can actually measure that pulse of residue in the dung. Mm -hmm. And then the amount of residue being um, excreted by the cow drops off very quickly, almost undetectable levels, but it's still toxic to insects. So depending on the chemical, depending on the formulation, and depending on the type of insect, we can see suppression of insect development for months after mm -hmm. the animal's been treated. Um, having said that, I want to emphasize that the true dung beetles, the scarab-like beetles, usually they're seem to be more tolerant to the residue. So they are affected, um, but usually only for a short time after the animal's been treated because that's when the residue concentration is highest. Mm -hmm. So maybe in the first three to four weeks after treatment, the cows are depositing fresh dung with residues high enough to affect uh, dung beetle development. But then other insects are much more sensitive. So some of the uh, non-pest flies depending on, on the different factors, right? Formulation, active ingredient, uh, they can be affected for months, like three to four months after treatment. Okay. So it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, you know? it's like anything in science. Well, it depends. Yeah, I, I, I hate sounding like a scientist, but I am <laughs> one, you know? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's our running gag in yeah. agriculture extension is just anybody asks a question, it's like, well, it depends. It sounds like we're trying to dodge an answer, but there's a lot in play. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this a little bit, uh, how there's kind of a range of weather patterns and some different, mm -hmm. uh, how that affects kind of the insect population. So I imagine it looks a bit different between Lethbridge and up here in Fairview. Mm -hmm. uh, so what kind of things would you look at to determine how healthy your insect community is, especially in, as it relates to cow dung? Yeah, it's a good question. So my go-to approach, it depends a little bit what I'm interested in. Again, mm -hmm. over 300 species of insects in cow dung, right? Right. And um, so the insects are strong flyers. Mm -hmm. So if I come up to a pie, I might scare away some of the insects sitting on the surface of the pie. Right. But if, if I'm interested in dung beetles, um, I will put a can and sink it into the ground. I will put roughly um, maybe four or five centimeters of non-toxic antifreeze in the bottom of the can, just so if anything falls in, it'll drown and it's preserved as well. Mm. If I leave the can out for a week, I don't want to come back after a week and have a rotting mess. Um, and then over the top of the can, I'll suspend fresh cow dung wrapped in cheesecloth mm. on a piece of wire hanging from a, a, a stick. And so the beetles come in, they're attracted to the smell they go for the bait, but they fall into the can below. They drown in the antifreeze. And we can set something up as early as March and, and keep these cans going into October. In one study, we, we found beetles in early December down in oh, Southern wow. Alberta. Um, so a very long season down here. And then we just check the cans every week and whatever we catch, we can pull out. And that gives us a good idea of what's present in the area and when it's most common in the area. So the beetles that are active in March um, into December, depending on the year, it's usually just one beetle species. It overwinters as an adult. That's the one that I mentioned comes out when it warms up in as early as March. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a late warm uh, fall, they can be flying into, into December. Uh, for flies, you don't really catch a lot of flies in the dung-baited pitfall traps. They're, they're more agile. They're, they're better able to escape before they drown. So we will set up uh, cow pies. Uh, I call them patties on a plate, right? Uh, so we have a mold that we fill with fresh cow dung, and we put it on a plate, styrofoam plate, and we leave it on the pasture for, well, probably a week. And during that week, insects will come in and they'll lay eggs. And then after the week, we pick up the, the plate with the pie on it, and we stick it in a bucket with a, a screen mesh over top. And we just collect all the insects that develop and emerges adults from that pie. Mm -hmm. So that will give us, you know, flies. There's dozens of different species of flies that we collect. We collect a lot of the non-dung, dung beetles. Um, there's actually a lot of wasps that live in cow dung. And to oh. clarify, I'm not talking about yellow jackets or bees or anything like that. These are little tiny wasps, maybe the size of an aphid. And they lay their eggs in the fly maggots. Oh. You know? And then, so the, the, these wasps are another beneficial group of insects. So the wasp larvae develops inside the fly maggot, kills the fly maggot, and then you have a new generation of little aphid-sized wasps emerge in the cow pie to go out and find more, say, pest flies to kill. Oh. And then we, you know, there's also a lot of 
So I'm already talking about things the size of aphids. There are things smaller than the size of aphids, like little tiny beetles, a millimeter long, uh, little tiny mites. They kind of look like spiders, but they're actually a mite. All of these things live in the cow pie. And if we use the patty on a plate approach, we collect all of that stuff that we don't find in a pitfall trap. Mm -hmm. So coming back to your main question, if I'm a rancher and I want to look at the health of my cow pie community, what do I do? One thing you can do is you can go up to a fresh pie that's been dropped within the last couple of days. In the summertime, there should be a lot of fly activity. Uh, in this er, Earlier in the spring, you should see you're more likely to see beetle activity, like you mentioned yourself that you wrote uh, recently and saw a lot of dung beetles. Mm -hmm. um, once the pie starts to form a crust or a skin, that skin acts like saran wrap, right? It sort of seals the odor into the pie and the insects have a tougher time finding the pie because they, they use smell coming off the pie to find it. Right. You know, but if, if you come to an older pie, maybe um, a week or two weeks old, you can actually lift off that crust. And underneath it, if it's a healthy cow pie community, you should see a lot of holes. You'll probably see a lot of fly maggots. You may see dung beetle larvae, uh, fat, juicy things in there. But, but you should see something moving and squirming and crawling inside. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, during the summer months uh, in your area, you tell me, but I'm thinking your, your dung insect season would probably start, um, you know, probably as mid-May perhaps. Yeah, that would be yeah. a guess. This year might have been earlier we had, but yeah. yeah. And, you know, the rule of thumb, if you're turning cows out in the pasture, whatever that season is, you should have a healthy, that's when you should be looking at the cow pies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and speaking of all of this different diversity, we've talked about uh, weather, we've talked about animals, we've talked about range and all that sort of stuff. Do animal species affect the type of bugs you might find in your field? So would a cow herd mm -hmm. attract different kinds of bugs than a bison herd or a sheep herd or a goat herd? <laughs> Actually, really good question. And, you know, there actually have been studies done where people have collected dung from different zoo animals mm. or, 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 or different types of domesticated species. And they'll have things like monkey dung and swine dung and horse dung and, you know, zebra and human <laughs> dung and, you know, the whole gamut, right? Yeah. And definitely dung produced by different animal species. They each have their own distinctive aroma mm -hmm. you know so when I, I talk about smells coming off of cow pies right those smells are a complex mixture of maybe a hundred or more chemicals you know and the insects are attracted not just by the presence or absence of a chemical but also the combination of chemicals the relative strength of the odor so different types of animals will produce dung that attract different types of dung insects and then once the insect is attracted to the dung, there's another process. Uh, can the larvae or the, the baby of that insect develop in that dung? Mm. So I would say that if you have, um, I'll say swine and, and horse, you know, side by side, mm -hmm. um, you'll attract overlapping sets of dung insects like flies and beetles and such. But and, and they may all lay their eggs in those things, but not all the insects will do as well. So, right. you know, insects that have evolved over time to develop in mounded dung, like bison dung or cattle dung, 
will not do as well in sheep dung or horse dung, which is drier and has mm -hmm. sort of a different shape. It's not a mound, it's more like a pile of pellets yeah. or lumps. Um, and then, you know, we haven't talked about guano or, or, or bird dung. Oh. In other countries, there are dung beetle species specialized for that type of dung, which would not be attracted to, you know, to cow dung. I guess that makes sense, but I never thought of that. That's really interesting. Yeah, and you know, from what I've read, the two most attractive types of dung in general would be from omnivores. So things mm. like swine and human. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. I guess that would play into like diet. Cause that was gonna yeah. be my next question is, um, have you done any looking at something like, I guess a feedlot cow pie that's mm. had lots of grain or silage or that sort of stuff versus something that's been grazed all yeah. its life? Like, is, is there a difference there? Again, a really good question. Um, you know, so when we when we have a, a cow in a feedlot, we're feeding it a high energy diet, right? To pack on weight quickly mm -hmm. uh, versus an animal on pasture, which is a high fiber diet. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference in water content. There's a difference in nitrogen and, and all these other factors. So the short answer is yes. Um, <laughs> different nutrient content of the cow pie will affect different insect species. Horn fly, for example, mm. does best in a in a high fiber diet, like dung from cows on pasture. Mm. Um, you can take dung from cows on ball, on barley silage, stick horn fly eggs in there. They won't develop nearly as well. Yeah. You know, they haven't evolved for that sort of high energy diet. Right. And you know, one question to carry on is um, people ask me, what about dung beetles in feedlots? There's mm -hmm. actually a different group of insects associated with sort of a, a confined feeding operation mm. compared to a pasture situation. So we may find some insects in common between the feedlot and the pasture, but this cow patty critters book is really targeting cattle on pasture there's a different group of in insects in feedlots. So house fly, right? Mm -hmm. Common, uh, a common feedlot fly. It's, it's not on pasture. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, when exactly. you're walking around, you never see those. <laughs> yeah. And same with dung beetles, the, the, the true dung beetles, the scarab type beetles, um, they're not breeding in dung and confined feeding operations. Partly it's all the disruption, right? Cows are mm -hmm. trampling the pat but it's a different quality of dung. Right. It's just not as suitable. Mm -hmm. And I, now you got me going, I apologize. <laughs> no, keep going, that's great. <laughs> okay. so, so we actually did a study a few years ago and we collected dung from cows on silage, dung from cows on hay, and dung from bison on hay. Um, we thought about collecting dung from bison on silage, but they don't feed silage to bison apparently that the the, um, the animal has not evolved for that type of high energy diet right. so we had three types of dung and i talked about our patties on a plate right yep. fresh dung on a plate you leave it in the field for a week then you take it indoors and see whatever comes off so we compared the insects that come off of those three types of dung so cow on silage cow on hay and bison on on hay 
and huge differences. Mm-hmm. And, and you would think, well, the biggest difference is probably going to be between cows and, and bison. But actually, the biggest difference is between cows on silage versus cows on hay. Oh. You know? Yeah. And, and, and partly it's because the odors coming off of the different types of dung may be attracting slightly different numbers of insects and different types of insects. And then once those insects lay their eggs in the dung, the ability of the immature insects to develop in that type of dung may be really high or it may not be so good. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the quality of the dung in some cases can be more important than the animal species produced in that dung. But right. to be fair, bison and cattle are very similar. Right. You know, they hybridize naturally in the wild. They have similar types of diet, similar types of dung. So perhaps that result wasn't too surprising. It's still one of those, it's good to know, I guess. <laughs> well, for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're interested in dung insects, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Interesting. Well, I've got one more question for you, and it's, what's your favorite kind of insect to to see in these dung pads? Wow. <laughs> that, that's not a fair question because I have so many favorites. Uh, I, I, I mean, the whole reason I wrote cow patty critters was to say that, you know, they're all, they're all special in their own way. Um, but I think the one that was most exciting for me to see for the first time mm-hmm. were these ball rolling dung beetles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we actually have three broad categories of dung beetles. Right. The one category are beetles that live from egg to adult inside the pie where it sits on the soil surface. And we call those dwellers. They dwell in the pie. Mm-hmm. And then we have another broad category called tunnelers. The adult will come into the fresh pie. It'll remove a little parcel of fresh dung. It'll bury it underground in a tunnel extending directly beneath the pie. And depending on the soil type and the type of beetle, uh, the tunnelers can go down maybe 15, 20 centimeters. Mm. And the third category are the rollers. And these are the ones that most people get excited about. You know, the, the adults will come into a fresh pie. They'll carve out a little chunk and they'll roll it into a ball. And the male and the female work together and they'll push that ball of dung away from the cow pie some distance and then they'll bury it. And for the tunnelers and the rollers, once the dung is buried, the adults will lay an egg on top of the ball underground. So mm-hmm. when that egg hatches and the little dung beetle larva comes out, you know, it's rubbing its tummy, it's hungry. And it's like, oh my goodness, here's a big ball of dung, right? <laughs> where I hatched, how lucky is that? You know, and mm-hmm. uh, the dung beetle larvae will feed on the buried ball of dung, eventually become a new adult and emerge usually in the fall. But the exciting thing for me is seeing these male and female dung beetles working cooperatively um, to shape the ball of dung, roll it through the grass, and then they'll bury it. That's and, interesting. Yeah, and I should say, you know, we have two species in Alberta that do that. I don't know if you have them in your area, but we certainly have them uh, in the Tabor area in, in, in southern Alberta, mm-hmm. more associated with the sandier soils, which helps them dig those tunnels. Oh, yeah. And the, the one species probably evolved with, um, I think it's prairie dogs. <laughs> and then the other species probably evolved with bison. And... In the absence of bison, it's a, it's an easy jump over to cattle dung. Right. And the ball of dung that these um, beetles, I'm going to hold up my hands. I don't know if that's very helpful. <laughs> probably not. So the, um, the the adult beetles, the rollers, is probably about the size of the um, 
your last joint of your little finger. If, mm -hmm. I mean, just to give you an idea for size. Yeah. And the ball of dung that they produce is probably about that size as well. So a male and female will form a ball, they'll, they'll move it away, but then they come back to the pie, they'll form another ball. And when you have a pie with several different pairs of these beetles coming in, mm -hmm. and you can just watch them quickly scatter the dung, um, the tunnelers and the rollers, because the adults are removing the, the dung and putting it underground, they work very quickly to degrade the dung. The other category that I mentioned, the dwellers that live inside the pie, it's really the feeding activity of the larvae over weeks or months, mm -hmm. and it gradually reduces the pie to the consistency of sawdust. So mm -hmm. dwellers have a role to play. They do help break down the dung. But we really get excited when we see tunnelers and rollers because they work more quickly to break down the dung and, and put it underground. Right. Makes sense. That's cool. <laughs> I guess my last question before we uh, kind of wrap up here is, if, did we miss anything? Is there anything else you'd really like to mention before we kind of wrap up? Well, um, well, there's so much more I could talk about, but that's why I wrote the book, right? <laughs> I guess so. so yeah. I'll, I'll simply say that this book uh, is free. That's maybe mm -hmm. the most exciting news. I um, put a lot of thought into it, and it's based on the questions that children and ranchers and farmers and school kids are asking me. So I've written the book with that in mind and targeting the farming community. I've tried to keep the scientific gobbledygook to a minimum <laughs> as much as I can. And I've also used a lot of uh, high-quality photographs. And they're not my photographs. They've been donated uh, by uh, international community of photographers for the purposes of the book. But it is a free book, but mm -hmm. electronic only. Right. So if you uh, Google cow patty critters, you'll probably find a couple locations on the internet where you can download a copy of the book in either English or French. Mm -hmm. I just want to get that message out there. And also, I study bugs. I'm still learning about them. I don't have all the answers. And if readers or listeners of the podcast have more questions that they might want to see answered in a second edition, or they they don't think I've explained something very well, or they think I'm way off base, <laughs> I don't mind if they get in touch. Mm -hmm. And we can catch those errors or um, add more information in a potential second edition. Fantastic. I will be putting the link to uh, Cow Patty Critters down in the description of the podcast. I've read, I would say, half probably of the first introduction of, of like the first half of it yeah. and it's it's fascinating it's really interesting so well thank I you highly recommend it <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> yeah i'll drop the uh that down in the description along with uh your contact information maybe your email in there and uh, sure. yeah if anybody wants to learn more about dung beetles they can check that out okay well thank you very much Peace Country Beef and Forage Association is a research and extension group based out of Fairview, Alberta. Our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable, regenerative, and attractive to future generations. To learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening.